Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 at 15. Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great new inventory. Maybe pre-owned inventory fits the budget. If it does, they have the best selection of pre-owned inventory anywhere, all backed by the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street at Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. And there is strikeout number 1,000 for Aaron Nola in his career. He is the fastest Philly ever to get to 1,000 strikeouts, and he needed that one. Scott Franski with the call on the Phillies uh, radio network in Eagle 107 is Aaron Nola out of that Phillies organization and now into the majors with 1,000 career strikeouts. All right, our next guest is every time we get together the name Sam Licklider. <laughs> he is mentioned between the two of us. It's great to have with us one of the absolute best in this business, Tim Brando. Tim, welcome back, my friend. Great to have you with us. Great to be with you, Steve. Uh, heck of a time of year, is it not? And uh, I gather that uh, the long summer, we'll see probably a few more days uh, like this with uh, multiple announcements of guys leaving and uh Career coaches uh, saying I'm I'm out of here, uh, albeit I want to take my my uh, victory tour, uh, you know, another lap like Coach K did. It's 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 just that time of year, so it's good to be back with you. It's great to be with back with you. You know, I, I think you actually set the tone for the next question pretty well. I'm not surprised you did, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but that is. I'm sensing that because Mike hasn't talked yet, but Brad Stevens, you know, made the move to the Celtics front office today. That the pandemic really kind of did a number on him, especially being in the bubble. I don't know about you, Tim, but everybody I talked to, and you talked to more people than I did, I I felt that it, it really did a number on a lot of coaches this year trying to somehow manage their way through this. What did you sense? Oh yeah, yeah. The whole season for them was like a root canal. It it wasn't. I mean, it was an endurance test for us too. And I was one of the fortunate ones that didn't have to do uh, games from his basement or his attic or, you know, from some sterile studio miles and miles away from the game. Many of my colleagues did, uh, but even for those of us that that did travel, uh, and I did not have as uh, thick. Uh, a schedule because of that you know networks made decisions to try to save some money everyone was hemorrhaging uh, money this past year so uh, if you were going to be calling games on the road you probably weren't going to do as many Uh, and so that was the case with me I probably did about half my normal schedule but at least I was there and in the conversations that we had with the coaches always from distance now we did you know I was never on the floor with one of them I think I walked into 
the Rock in at Seton Hall at the same time the Villanova team was was coming in, and so we went through security about the same time, and I was able to see uh, Jay Wright, you know, face to face from six feet, but face to face. We were zooming all the time, and and it was a pain in the butt for everybody, you know, and uh, I, I think that um, coaches that were dealing with their players and the anxiety that comes from waking up every morning, getting swabbed at 7.30. You know, in some leagues they were doing it every day. You know, some and in other leagues they were doing it every third day. It was just a pain. And, uh, you know, that, that was true in basketball. In football, uh, you know, you had position coaches that didn't – and position players that didn't see their teammates until game day. You know, they were that yeah. distant from one another. So imagine trying to coach your team when your team is never really together until they come out, you know, for a Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, it definitely played a role in, in I think, all of the decisions that we've seen made to this point. Uh, some more than others, probably, um, because of maybe some past issues that they've, they've had. Like, I, I figured this announcement was going to come from Mike very soon. Right. After both decisions were made, number one by Kevin White as athletic director of Duke to step down when he did last year, and right. then when Roy Williams made his decision, I'm like, Mike cannot be far behind. Well, what a career he's had, obviously. You know, look, we know about the five national titles and the three gold medals, and he's also an assistant on the Dream Team as well in 92. Mm-hmm. But, look, this is something where you and I can talk about this because – I think you and I have been very fortunate that in uh, at our age we've seen so much that we can lend some perspective to. If Mike Krzyzewski had gone through his first three years at Duke in the 20 teens and not when he did in the late 70s and early 80s, would he have survived? No, not even close. And that story about athletic director Tom Butters and and Mike is – you know, it's just incredible. There was one, I think, other example of that, and it, and it actually happened with one of Mike's closest friends, uh, one of his closest friends, P.J. Carlissimo. Uh, he was in a situation at Seton Hall where they were about to make the move on him, and to the credit of uh, a lot of people, the late Larry Keating being one of them, uh, who passed away, and Larry, of course, went on to Kansas afterwards, um, I think I think he may have been in a similar situation. And, of course, he, he took them to the greatest height Seton Hall's ever had, getting to the finals. And were it not for the John Clockerty call on the block charge uh, to send Ramil Robinson to the free throw line, might have won a national title. But, uh, but Mike, that story was just, I mean, Krzyzewski thought he was done. Butters is like, uh, I've got to do it. Uh, I've, I'm going to give you this contract extension. And Krzyzewski was in tears. He thought, you know, you don't have to do this. They were ready to run him out on a rail. Now, people forget, I mean, yes, you think Duke now, and you think Mike Krzyzewski, period. Krzyzewskiville, Coach K, Coach K Court, all that. Uh, but, um, you know, they had gone to the Final Four and to the National Championship game and lost with uh, with with a team that was outstanding. Mike Jeminski, my colleague, was on that team with yep. Jimmy Spadarkle. And uh, and then lost their coach, lost her to uh, to South Carolina, you know, because yeah. Duke wasn't uh, at that particular point willing to pay the freight. Uh, a job in the in the Metro Conference at that time at South Carolina was worth more 
than, than the Duke job was. So it's, they had had great success. Duke was a proud program um, for a, period, a long period of time, 50s, 60s, and, and, and then again that late run in, at 1978. And they, they go into the tank, and, uh, and he had to resurrect them. But uh, they knew they were in trouble when Mike, uh, when Mike took over. They, his first year was the best of his first three, and the second two were awful. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he would not have lasted in today's environment. No question yeah. about it. Yeah. He would have been gone. Yeah, it was that Jack Givens had the 41 for Kentucky. Yeah, when 41 they beat. Yeah. Game, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so now we get now. You have to have a class that then establishes not just winning but your culture. Uh, Jay Billis, Mark Allery, Johnny Dawkins—they got Gene Banks out of Philly. Uh, what do you think they meant to to then allowing Mike to not only just win, which was obviously critical, but then to to then get the, that word culture in place that he wanted to have. Well, you know, Kenny Denard played uh, on Mike's team, and uh, uh, Javinsky did not, um, but Denard did, Banks did, uh, Spinarkle and G-Man were both gone. But uh, the, the willingness to bring them into the fold and to, to make them feel as though he needed them, even those that didn't play for him, all right, including Jaminski, uh, was important to Mike because he knew he needed as many friends as he could have after the first three seasons. Yeah. And he always asked them back. It was that, you know, that culture. And Mike was adamant about the fact that he wanted staff members, by and large, to be guys that were former players, guys that played for him, stayed within the culture. You know, he only had Pete Gaudette and Mike Bray Right, uh, were the only two coaches that he had that were not uh, former players for him. Right. Uh, everybody else that he had on his staff played for him at some point, and uh, most of them point guards yeah, or, or two guards. Right. But yeah. The reality is that uh, that was that was the key. I think when times were really downtrodden, that uh, you know that 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 he was able to reach out and not alienate some of the veteran players that he inherited. Uh, and uh, listen, Denard was one of his, still is, one of his most staunch supporters. Yep. You know, he would buy 500 tickets for the Duke Carolina game at Duke every year. And it, was a good, <laughs> it was a good sound business decision for him, too. But, but yeah. let me say, and, and I mean this sincerely, Steve, I've been at this for four decades, uh, I started in 1985 in the ACC, uh, and that was also the same year I started at ESPN. And uh, but I had been calling college basketball since 1982, so I'm I'm looking uh, at the at the regional level before I got to the national level, uh, and a lot of that time was spent in the SEC and ACC, and. I mean, my timing could not have been any better. You had Valvano coming to NC State. You had Mike at um, at uh, Duke. You had Bobby Crimmins at Georgia Tech. Uh, in the SEC, you had proud programs beyond just Kentucky. You know, you had uh, Dale Brown at LSU. You had Nolan Richardson coming in, Freddie Sutton at Arkansas. 
Yeah. I mean, it was just uh, the golden age of college basketball in so many ways was during that period in which I came uh, into as a young broadcaster at 29 years of age. And for those of us that have gotten to know and, and created uh, a level of trust with these guys, uh, it's the end of an era. I mean, it's it's a sad uh, day for guys like me uh, that have 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 always dealt with coaches of different ages, but these were guys yeah. that were already there that were just a little bit older than me. Just, not a lot, but yeah. a little. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike is 75, I'm 65. Um, this, this is a time when, especially with college basketball's popularity on the wane, and it has been really for 10 to 15 years. Uh, the regular season has been moved to the back pages uh, yeah. It seems that only the tournament is covered, even by those in in network television that have so much programming of college basketball. Don't talk about it at all during the regular season. It's only like uh, you know the two weeks before. You know who's in, who's not in. You know, the, only, the only thing you get is bracketology talk, and then yeah. the, the tournament starts. Uh, college basketball is in uh, the depths of despair with attention. And the ratings have shown that. The coaches were the, the ones that were most coveted in terms of the sports popularity. And as these coaches from this generation leave the game, uh, I wonder now where we're going to go, what we're going to see. And I think a lot of them have, are leaving the game, not because of their health, but because the damned sport has done so much damage to itself, and it's so hard to manage a program now off the court with the decisions that they are impacted by that they have no control over in the NBA. And with that in mind, you know, Mike Mike was on the receiving end of some good aspects of it. You know, had Jerry Colangelo not reached out to him, you know, after yeah. Chuck Daly was coach, yeah. and he not have been the, the Olympic coach, I think that extended Mike's career probably, you know, you can argue five to ten years, certainly right. helped getting the recruits to win another national championship, but of of that group, all the coaches that you've seen say goodbye, I think the mismanagement of college basketball in some, some strange ways that Billy Packer was talking about before he stepped aside, he saw the problem coming, mm-hmm. and a lot of people wouldn't listen. Um, you know, people blame college basketball for one and done. It's not college basketball. No. It's the no. NBA Players Association yes. that forced that on people. And yes. Mike tried his best to get the NCAA to listen. In the mid-90s, he was he went to the meet with the NCAA, and they basically just laughed him out of the room. And his health was impacted by it. He had to take the year away. That was when he had the issues with his back yep. back in 1995. He really wanted to help the game. And then ultimately, he just threw his hands up and said, okay, if you can't beat them, join them. I'll start getting one and dones, and I'll Mm -hmm. coach him up that way. And uh, because he was the USA coach, that helped him tremendously in getting that uh, top-tier talent to sort of steal the thunder from John Calipari in many ways. Yeah, exactly right, because of that association with USA Basketball. And, of course, they won the gold in A12 and 16. Right. And it's it's interesting how, for example, the pros gravitate toward Mike but also the USA basketball connection helped him with one and done recruits. There's no question yeah, about well, that. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not sure. Now listen, I haven't talked to Mike. We're 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 good friends. I have not talked to him uh, and I probably won't for quite a while. 
But, uh, you know, he was and is uh, the genuine article, and we do have a a great deal of trust and a a strong relationship. The last year that I was involved in ACC basketball, I tweeted about this earlier today. Mike Javinsky and I got to call. For years, Raycom Sports always did the first game between Duke and North Carolina in syndication. And uh, ESPN took it around the rest of the country, but they were blacked out in that area. In recent years, it was the opposite. ESPN got the, the, the rights, didn't have to buy the rights from, from Raycom. But we continued doing those games and the tournament through the year 2019. And the final year, I knew this would be my last game. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski and, uh, and Kevin White and John Jackson worked so closely with, with Mike. They knew this would probably be the last time I ever came into the building to call a game at Cameron and uh, it had been a 20 I had a, probably 15 to 20 straight years of doing it and they took they, they got center court seats five rows up mid court for my entire family my, my grandchildren <laughs> my children wow. and uh, so they're, they're, he's a sweetheart a good man yeah. uh, and has done a lot of good things for him I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I happily accepted it because I knew that would be <laughs> the it for me but I don't think Steve I honestly don't think that he's done. I, I think he may coach the Lakers. I think he might yeah. look at uh, the NBA because mm-hmm. his health is still very good. I yeah. mean, very good. Roy had some health issues yeah. in the last few years. Right. Uh, Mike, I think, is um, uh, this will be a victory tour for him. And as I said, I've not talked to him recently, but if someone were to, you know, the Lakers already offered him more money than anyone's ever been offered. Yep. Uh, I could see the possibility of him doing you know, a couple of years uh, in the NBA before it's all said and done. I, re- I really believe that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I started doing Penn State in 82, so we started right around the same time. Yeah. And yeah. And, and when they transitioned to the Big Ten in 93, it's Bob Knight, Lou Henson, yeah. Gene Cady, right. Judd Heathcote. Right. I mean, I mean, it's not, and you and I both know it's not that way anymore. It's no, I mean, Tom Izzo's a legend. He's a Hall of yeah, Famer, and he's he also my age. You yeah. know, Tom is, is my age, and yeah. uh, I, I don't know you know, how much longer he's going to go. He would be, you know, probably in that next wave of, of guys that are sort yes. of carrying the banner for, you know, the, the, the rock star coaches that had have had NBA opportunities every year. You know, Jay Wright is uh, a few years younger than me, uh, mm-hmm. but that's – that's the next group coming. We've we've seen. I mean, when I when I started doing uh, college basketball on on ESPN in 1985, uh, Terry Holland uh, had Dave Odom and Jim Larinaga on his staff. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. I think about that. Uh, Seth Greenberg was a GA on, on yes. that on that staff. Yep. Uh, so that's going back a ways, and it just makes you think. Uh, I was I would be running around airports, running into Izzo uh, out on recruiting trips, you know, yep. through the Chicago airport, you know, running from, you know, one flight to another. Uh, and he's gone on to become a Hall of Famer ever since. Th- th- those were the glory years, really, of college yeah. basketball. John Wooden was uh, the most successful, no question mm-hmm. about it. But in terms of the growth and popularity and the strength of college basketball, Yep. Uh, really, the ground floor was was its exposure on cable television. As cable television emerged, 
so did college basketball. And that's when the tournament really began to be a much bigger deal everywhere. So Wooden was enormously successful, but the competition for Mike to get through it and to get through tournaments with 48, then later 64 and 68 teams versus John Wooden, the Wizard, with with 16 and then later 32, I mean, think about that. It it was a little bit harder to, to accomplish really what Mike did uh, in in his era of college basketball, and he's certainly the closest thing to John Wooden that we had in this business with a pulse. My gosh, I enjoy every conversation we have. Thank you so much for your time today, especially on such a busy day, Tim. Appreciate you very much. Thank you, Steve. A pleasure being with you, going down memory lane there. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. You bet. The, the outstanding Tim Brando. Great to have him on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15. Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Maybe the budget says pre-owned inventory is the way to go. Well, guess what? You're not going to get it any better than at Sunbury Motors because they have a wide range of pre-owned vehicles. And on top of that, they also go through the uh, checklist and they have the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Fabulous sales staff, great service department. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. A lot to digest there because Tim Brando, again, when you have been around the block, you bring with it a perspective and an experience that I think is important to listen to. And Tim has been that. And he talked about several things, obviously, that we have talked about in this show before. Because, again, um, now, although it's interesting, I'll say this. I, I said I had promoted that we we're going to bring on a legendary sports play-by-play announcer and the suit ran to the studio. All right. Uh, oh, my almighty! Okay. Right. Thank you. I felt Get the bad. lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I, I felt bad for Matt that he had to break it to him. All right, so... <laughs> but... Let's talk about what – there's a lot to unpack there. The, the, a lot of the legendary names, you know, because Tim was anchored in the ACC and the SEC. But also let's not forget that a big part of the explosion of popularity in college basketball dealt with the Big East. And in the Big East you had John Thompson, Louis Carnesecca, right? You know, you're going through – you know, Raleigh Massimino, Jim Bayheim, eventually Jim uh, Jim Calhoun. 
P.J. Carlissimo. Before that, believe it or not, Bill Raffrey before that. Gary Williams. Dr. Tom Davis. Legendary names and... The Big East became incredibly popular and really because of, you know, being in the Northeast, in Boston, B.C., Hartford, Syracuse, Philadelphia, Washington, uh, New York City, suburban New York. It took college basketball to another level in terms of popularity, interest, to go with what Tim was doing in the ACC and the SEC. And I mentioned my first year in the Big Ten. First year in the Big Ten, Gene Cady's at Purdue. Bob Knight's at Indiana. Lou Henson is at Illinois. Judd Heathcote's the head coach at Michigan State. Steve Fisher is at Michigan. Clem Haskins is at Minnesota. Dr. Tom Davis was at Iowa. That's my first season in the Big Ten. That was also my what, 11th season doing Penn State basketball. It was my first season in the Big Ten. It's all changing and it's dramatic. But at some point you knew it was going to happen. But when Roy Williams stepped down, you're like, hey, boy. And then, you know, then you see now what Mike's going to do, Krzyzewski. There'll be a point in the 22-23 season where for the first time North Carolina will play Duke and it's going to be John Shire and Hubert Davis and not Mike Krzyzewski, Dean Smith or Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams. That'll be a little jolt to the system. But he brought up something I think that is something we've talked about before. The NBA has not in any way, shape, or form helped college basketball. Not in the least. You know, every time I hear about, oh, college basketball, they got those one and dones. It is not, as, as Tim said, and I've said a million times, but I'll take as Tim said, it is the NBA Players Association that has driven the one and done. It has nothing to do with college basketball. Zero. It is an NBA rule. The NBA, in fact, the owners would actually want two years and 20 years of age. If you're an owner, you want a more mature league. You don't want... You don't want as much as it's exciting to see Zion Williamson play or to see a job Morant play, all the successful teams have older players. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Chris Paul, you know, Damian Lillard, Jokic. I mean, you've got, you know, older players. Giannis. Giannis is now an older player. You want a more mature league. But the one and done has at least kept players in college basketball playing college basketball, at least for a year. So you did see Zion Williamson 
play for a year at Duke. You did see Anthony Davis play for a year at Kentucky. (laughs) Saw him up close and personal against Penn State, but that's okay. (laughs) A 25-0 run to end the first half. Actually, Actually, John Graham broke that with a basket at the end of the first half. So that part's been fine. But it just has reinforced over and over again that the whole thing is is to get to the three-letter league. And while I know... how relevant the regular season is for Penn State basketball. I mean, I know. I mean, this is my 40th season coming up broadcasting Penn State. And only five of them have gone to the NCAA tournament. Or, five, you know, four have gone, and of course the 2020 team was going to go. So, you know, that's five. So believe me, if anybody knows you know, how much a team needs the regular season to get there, it's me. I've seen it firsthand. But programs like Duke, Kentucky, Ohio State, Michigan State, Kansas, you know, they play the regular season for seeding. And you know what? He is, he is right in another aspect of this. Here's another aspect where I think Mike, where uh, Tim is correct, and and you know how much uh, I think, uh, how highly I think of Joe Lenardi. I think Joe Lenardi does a fabulous job, and so when they go to him about bracketology, he's spot on. You're trying to get in the whole deal, but that's what happens. You know, let's take Joe out of this for a moment. So let's take Joe Lenardi out of this for a moment. Because this is not, there's no way I would in a million years put down what Joe Lenardi does, and that's not what this is about. But what is happening is that you have TV producers, and that's all they're doing is they're framing games in brackets, and he's right about that. And that is also going to be part of my concern about what happens with college football. Are we going to be framing every? You now I'm noticing the last few years everything is framed around the college football playoff. Now remember, I am for expansion for the college football playoff because I need. I think you need to start spreading the wealth. It just can't be the same ones over and over again. It is not good for the game. It's not good for interest. It's not good for recruiting. It's just not. It's not good for the transfer portal. It's just not. So one thing about the NCAA college basketball tournament, the best team doesn't always win. When Duke won its last national championship, Kentucky may have been the best team in 2015, but Wisconsin knocked them off. And it goes back to, again, listen to people who have experience. They give you a roadmap as to what reality is. I would, 1991, 
Penn State is in the NCAA tournament. They're going to play UCLA. They beat UCLA, beat them by 574-69, something like that. And then they lost to Eastern Michigan in double overtime. But part of the bracket in Syracuse that year was Dean Smith. And Dean Smith was asked about how do you frame the NCAA tournament for your team? Because there's an enormity of winning six games. He said, we try to break it down because we play in-season tournaments. And most, you know, some in-season tournaments, you know, are, are three games. Like Charleston, Penn State was going to play in Charleston last year. That was a three-gamer. Maui Invitational is a three-gamer. But most of these are two games. Four teams get together. There's a semifinal, a final, a consolation. And that's the way it is. So, so since most tournaments are like that, he said, now let's just take this particular year. He said, look, I told my team, I tell my team, okay, let's come in here, let's win the Syracuse tournament. Two games. All right, now... He says, if we're fortunate and we do that, he said, now, he says, I'll tell him, let's win the Meadowlands tournament. Two games. It's not just the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Let's win the Meadowlands tournament. Then if you're fortunate enough to get to the Final Four, all right, now let's win the New Orleans tournament. That way, it takes away the enormity of winning six games. And for the big programs, that's the whole deal. Can they win the six games? Regular season's done for seeding and so forth, but it's to to win the six games. If you're an underdog coach and and you are in a situation where you know you are not the more talented team, you're the underdog. It's the same concept in a game. All right, guys. Let's do this instead of the enormity of winning 40 minutes. Let's win the first media timeout, the under 16. All right. Now we come out of the huddle. Okay, guys, let's win the next four minutes. Let's win it, win to the under 12. All right, guys, let's win the next four minutes to the under 8. It breaks down the enormity of it, and that is how you handle the NCAA tournament. But Dean Smith would talk about that. And that's why when Mike Krzyzewski in 1995 is telling them, hey, look, guys, we got a problem here. You have to listen to them. That was one of the great frustrations Joe had with the Big Ten. He actually said to me one time, he said, you'd think that somebody that's been around the block like I have, they at least listen a little bit more. Now, eventually they adopted instant replay, Joe's idea. Got a 12th team in the league, Joe's idea. Championship game for the league, Joe's idea. I mean, they did a lot of things eventually. He said they should have been doing what he was talking about behind the scenes for years. They finally got around to it. Losing a voice like college basketball can ill afford to lose a voice like Mike Krzyzewski. And especially one that has the universal respect of the pros. You talk to the pros that played for him in Beijing. London and Rio. They think the world of this guy. But the NBA has done college basketball no favors. 
The NBA has been all about the NBA. And the NBA wants a, you know, the owners want a more mature league. The Players Association does not. When the collective bargaining agreement is up at it, you know, and essentially they'll be negotiated in a year and a half, they're going to go back to having high school players be able to go directly to the NBA and bypass college. I mean, that's the way it's going to be. The Players Association, to me, is bizarre when it comes to this. I thought being a part of a union was to protect your current rank and file. The NBA Players Association does everything it can to promote bringing new people in to get rid of the old rank and file. Think about that. They put it like every time they're emphasizing everything about people coming in, coming in. Who are they replacing? From the NBA Players Association, I'm pushing hard for expansion. I want more of my rank and file staying and playing. Instead, they'd rather push for 18-year-olds to be in. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. Wrap it up here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Yes! Side now stopping his dribble. Leitner on him. Hunt will have to do something. Put the three. three. Off the back. Happened long. Curly's got it. Duke has done it. Duke has upset UNLV. Remember, UNLV had blown them out by 30 points the year before. 30 points. How about that? Came back the next year and beat him. Wow. Something else. What a career uh, with everything he's done between Duke, USA Basketball, Army before that, obviously. But, uh, yeah, when he came here to Penn State 10 years ago and shared the stage with Joe, with Reese Davis, doing uh, really a phenomenal job of moderating, um, I think that uh, I learned a lot that day, just sitting there and just absorbing the scene, listening. Now, a lot of what Joe had talked about, I you know, I'd heard Joe obviously, you know, talk about before. Okay, um, for you know, the next part is. Um, Is you know listening to Mike talk about it? There's so much in today's game that just is not. I don't know. 
if you're a coach, if you're a coach, it's going to get more complicated with name, image, and likeness. But I understand, again, you know I'm for name, image, and likeness. But, like, you know, when you start talking about money in a locker room and how much somebody's making, that can cause an issue. I'm saying it can. I'm not saying it will. Um, the, uh, But you have to now manage your own players all the time. Transfer portals there. They can leave anytime they want. Mike's case was the NBA. So, yeah, a lot of news today. No question about that. Our thanks to Tim Brando for being on today. Our thanks to Nate Bauer for being on today. Tomorrow we'll have on the show Dick Girardi. We're going to get into a little bit. Bob Baffert suspended for two years from Churchill Downs. We'll talk to you about that tomorrow along with the Belmont Stakes this weekend. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com.